Welcome to this Interiors and Sources I Hear Design podcast in partnership with Design Talks. My name is Valerie Dennis Craven, editor at Interiors and Sources, and I'm speaking today with Design Tech's president, Susan Lyons, and design director, Catherine Stowell. Design Tech's is also sponsor for Interiors and Sources Design Connections event this October in Palm Springs, California. Like the Design Connections theme, past versus future in design, Design Tech's is taking the past and reimagining the future. The company previewed at Neocon and will be launching this fall a collaboration between Design Techs and Bauhaus Textiles Masters tied to this year's 100th anniversary of Bauhaus. Thank you for joining us today and at Design Connections, Susan and Catherine. Thank you, Valerie. Yes, great. Let's start by telling our audience about Design Techs. Tell us about your past and what you are known for. Uh, great, we'd love to. So Design Techs is a um, 50 plus year old startup, I like to say. So we still have our kind of startup um, vibe, but we actually, uh, the company started in 1962. It was started by two gentlemen um, who basically uh, introduced one single product that was solving a particular problem for, for the Seagram's building on Park Avenue building, as everyone probably knows, was designed by Mies van der Rohe and Philip Johnson. And the architects uh, were very keen to introduce this new kind of modern aesthetic, modern um, building to uh, New York City, and became very vexed when the people moved in and the facade of the building um, was sort of interrupted. It's kind of clean, pristine, modernist facade was interrupted by um, the draperies being pulled up and down by the people inside. So uh, Ralph and Harry, who started Design Techs, uh, invented a drapery that allowed sunlight to come in for the users so that the users could be, could be uh, happy and contented, and, but yet uh, presented a very, very clean facade to the outside so that the architects could be happy and contented. So from there, I would say that sort of still informs our uh, aesthetic and our focus today, which is that combination of usefulness and um, beauty, the two going very, very much together. And the, the whole idea of developing products that solve problems for people in their environments, um, using applied materials as, uh, as a canvas for both kind of aesthetic inspiration, but also uh, solving particular problems that are introduced um, in the built environment. Great. And looking specifically at the Bauhaus collection, let's talk a little more about that. Um, you know, how does that play into all of this? Why, why Bauhaus? Um, can you tell us about this collection and what makes it special, how it came about? Um, it really started because of a love of the work of the textile weavers of the Bauhaus. Um, you know, we, uh, we sell a lot of different applied materials at Design Text, but textiles is our first product category and our first love. And so we're a little bit geeky about textiles. <laughs> and anybody who uh, is into weaving knows the work of uh, Annie Albers and Gunther Stozel. So we just thought it would be interesting to uh, revisit the thinking that informed their work and try to engage with their archive 
it wasn't so much about um, the 100th anniversary of the Bauhaus, frankly, but really more just a, a kind of profound interest in how these women worked, how they thought about making a textile, how they thought about design, <clears throat> how they thought about weaving and things like that. Uh, so it, it was sort of an opportunity to um, engage with their work um, and with them in a funny way um, that we found kind of inspiring. But I'll let Catherine speak <laughs> more to that idea. Yeah, so I mean, as Susan just said, we're fans of their work to begin with, but kind of digging into what's available and kind of realizing what's not available as far as context and examples of their work um, made this project really fun. We, it was a little bit of um, following their thinking and their design logic and even their sketches for their designs and kind of figuring out how to make them using the technology available to us today. So we knew we weren't doing replications of work from the Bauhaus, not exactly. I mean, these were handwoven pieces most of the time, um, or we just have the written and um, figurative instructions for the designs. So we knew that we were kind of making things for um, today's environments. And I would say as we started looking for, uh, looking through the, their archives, what a couple of things became clear. And then of course, revisiting all of the, uh, what the Bauhaus kind of stood for, uh, started to also inspire us just to think about, um, these were the women who really set design, particularly of textiles on its modern course. So that seemed also an interesting thing to start to consider is what is modernity, um, how they sort of thought about their compositions, how they put them together. So it kind of became as much a learning opportunity for us, I would say, as it was um, a, a celebration of their work. And I, and I would say that was also an important part of it and that we felt like the women had not really gotten as much notice uh, for their contribution as some of the men of the Bauhaus did. So we thought it was also a good opportunity to shine some light on um, their contribution. And, and really, excuse me, you both mentioned something that stuck out to me in that answer, Catherine and Susan both, um, you said things like modernity and for today's environment, you know, yeah, it, it, the movement started 100 years ago, it's the 100th anniversary, but how, what makes these products current for 2019? And what are some of like today's applications or projects that they could be used in? I think one of the reasons why the Bauhaus res remains so relevant is uh, the way they thought about design in general and the reason why people like Steve Jobs at Apple was inspired by what the work of the Bauhaus or people like Dieter Rams was inspired by work of the Bauhaus. I mean, it, they, were, they were working uh, under a certain set of guidelines of thinking or uh, ways of exploring the making of things that I think still is very relevant today. So um, definitely uh, a focus on abstraction. And um, I think the way they, they thought about building their designs, um, using these, these ideas of um, abstract compositions make them incredibly timeless. And I think, you know, if you look at uh, all the work 
that we we know today of the Bauhaus, whether it's architecture, furniture, whatever, those pieces remain incredibly relevant um, because they're kind of stripped down to their essential elements, mm-hmm. and um, as a result, they don't they're not stylistic, they're not expressive, they're they're just what they are. Great, yeah. Um, for for your collaboration, um, are there certain types of pro- projects or applications that it would be good for, that the textiles you are creating would be good for? Uh, yeah, well, I think another thing that is similar today to how um, they worked in the Bauhaus, especially in Dessau, was this idea of technical fabrics and functional fabrics. Mm-hmm. And all of the textiles we do for design texts fall into that category. They're meant to function either on certain pieces of furniture and in certain built environments. So in translating these designs, well, some of them might have been for like a wall hanging in 1919, not something that's um, as prevalent in what we're doing, but we did those designs in more technical construction so they could be used in public spaces. There's Jacquard One is this really large scale Annie Albers wall hanging that we did as a high performance uh, textile for upholstery. And that's when I could see in like a big public space in either like the library or some sort of educational institution on like a large bench. So using their design principles, but kind of creating, and their designs, I mean, it's Annie's design, um, but creating a fabric that kind of fits into what we're doing. Right. I think the thing that was also interesting about the, the work of these weavers is that while one of the tenets, of course, of the Bauhaus was the notion of less being more. And so if you look at the environments that they built, it was very much about, again, paring things down to their essential elements um, and really designing for living in a particular way. But the textiles remained um, while very rational, but also at the same time, very exuberant. So um, we also love that idea of just what textiles can be in a space um, where we feel like it does bring that, that sort of uh, celebratory aspect. Um, it brings color into a space. So uh, we feel these ideas were very much in keeping with how we think about what we do today. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, you, t- you just told us about collaboration. Um, let's kind of turn that a little. And how is the collaborative spirit a part of Design Text itself? Um, well, maybe we think of design as a collaborative art, um, as distinct from, let's say, art making, which, of course, can be collaborative. But design m- m- is very much about bringing together different disciplines to the table. So we've always really operated that way, whether it's collaborating with our mill partners um, around the world or with outside designers or amongst ourselves. So it's, it's very much a day-to-day activity for us. But we also have a history of doing these kinds of collaborations, looking to the outside for inspiration and for provocation. Um, we've worked with William McDonough to develop the first Cradle to Cradle textile uh, that was introduced in 1993. Uh, We worked with architects like um, Robert Venturi and Denise Scott Brown and Aldo Rossi uh, to develop a collection of textiles thinking they would provoke us uh, to move in a direction that maybe we wouldn't on our own. Um, 
we work with Weavers, uh, Wallace and Sewell. So it's very much how we operate. And we do really firmly believe that it's sort of two heads are better than one. So it's, it's definitely something we, we embrace. Nice. Um, so kind of circling back also to the past versus future in design, the design connections theme. I mean, how do collaborations help, you know, you and the collaborator push forward design wise? I mean, I think depending on the collaboration, it can be a different experience and because you might be engaging with someone for various different reasons. In this instance, I mean, to Susan's point, we're revisiting kind of the roots of what we do today. The idea of a technical fabric for an applied material in an architectural setting was really kind of pioneered in the way that we think about it um, at the Bauhaus. So for us, it's kind of like revisiting what's affected what we do today anyway. Like there were uh, fabrics being tested for wear at the Bauhaus and acoustical testing being done. Things that, you know, we're still actively doing and learning more about as technology has progressed, but mm -hmm. you know, they were doing it years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if, if you're embedded in a, in a industry or in a media, you, you can often, you, it's almost like you know too much um, so you can, you can say to yourself, well, that's never going to work because of X, because, you know, this weft won't go across that warp or whatever. So it's nice to have outside people come in who don't, aren't as embedded in, in the technical side of things and kind of challenge you to say, you know, well, let's, could we do this? Could we do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've mentioned a few times current technology. So how did that help assist with this collection and how does it help with you know moving collaboration forward and current staying current you can talk to that one um i mean i think in all ways but it i mean it makes everything faster i mean we're avid users of like google docs here we use this like a very quick and easy like visual way to collaborate and communicate with people who are far from where we are um, but in, I would say in this collection, the use of digital printing for the wall covering was a really good example of bringing what we see as kind of forward thinking technology for our market um, to revisit some of these designs from these weavers, you know, who obviously didn't have wide format digital printers. Um, but we like to think that at the Bauhaus and in all the different workshops, they really embraced new technology and modern technology. So we like to think that if they had had digital printers and 3D printers and things like that, they would probably be experimenting with them. Um, so we did four uh, wall coverings, uh, four of Annie's and four of Gunta's for this collection using their designs and reference either their sketches or Annie's woven um, wall hangings as starting points, but then you know brought them into the computer and printed them um, in a large format. Yeah, I mean, I think in a, in a collaboration like this, you have to be very, very respectful and, um, you know, the wishes of the, of the family members or the stewards of the work. So in this case, Catherine was working really closely with uh, Gunta's daughter, Monica, in um, the Netherlands. And then uh, we worked closely with the Albers Foundation um, in Connecticut. And part of it was, what was nice about that was, you know, we were always very, very careful not to 
not wanting to overstep our our uh, authorities in a way. So uh, in conversations with Lucy Swift Weber from the foundation, we were talking about the digital printing and uh, Catherine had this idea to do these wall coverings, which we thought was, would be really spectacular. And uh, Lucy was for it right away. And she mm. just felt that Annie would have loved digital printing and would have embraced it wholeheartedly. So in a way you're kind of channeling, you're trying to channel the, the spirit of the, of the designer and uh, kind of make sure that they would feel happy with whatever you're doing. Right. right. It's no pressure. <laughs> yeah. And the yeah. little which Catherine will be too humble to, to speak to <laughs> is that one of the challenges of the design that we did for Gunta's work on wall covering came from a, a beautiful uh, watercolor that Gunta had done. And she had a beautiful hand, both in terms of uh, how she drew, but also her sense of color and the way she applied color and watercolor. So uh, part of that challenge was how do we how do we capture that hand and deliver it in this product? So uh, Catherine had the idea to ask her mother, who is actually a very accomplished painter, to kind of work with her to recreate the art for that piece, which I have to say was pretty fun to watch them going back and forth on. <laughs> With all the little snips of uh, samples and trials, etc. She was very patient with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes, sounds very exciting. Um, yeah. Anything else about this collection and collaboration in general you would like to uh, let our listeners know or touch on that we may maybe haven't touched on yet? I think other than the fact that uh, this has just been a thrill for us and to be able to become kind of intimate with the work of these women has been, I mean, for me, a personal uh, high point of my very long career in this business. So um, it's been super fun from that standpoint. And I think also just to, as I said at the beginning, just to give them a shout out because these women were incredibly inventive and incredibly creative and incredibly influential. And we want to make sure that, you know, uh, as many people uh, appreciate that as can possibly, uh, that we can help that effort a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so when can we expect the collection to be available for designers? Mid-October is when, so this fall. It'll be live. Great. And we've also, as part of the launch, we've developed a CEU that will be uh, rolling out across the country. So that is also an opportunity that's, that looks to the Bauhaus in context and talks a little bit about some of the principles that drove the Bauhaus, uh, how it came about, what its influence. So we're excited will, about that. Will that also be available around the same time, around mid-October? Yes. Yep, it's been, a, it's been accredited now, um, both the AIA and IDA. So uh, another part of this that's important to us is really the education around, you know, not just the Bauhaus, but also, again, the work of the two women and the women weavers, but kind of what the Bauhaus still informs today and what it means to us today. Yeah, I mean, even though it's 100 years old, it's definitely still popular, relevant, inspiring. Yeah pretty remarkable. Yep. It definitely fits in very well with the past and future um, theme in general and just goes to show how, even though that's the design connection theme, I mean, it's chosen for a reason because it's just always relevant and we're always reinventing and 
being inspired no matter what it is. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just the idea that the Bauhaus essentially was a school. You know, we often think of it as a style or a whatever, mm -hmm. it really was a school. And so I think it also speaks to the power of uh, deep thinking about education and, and how you, um, how you help people understand the principles uh, that you've set out for yourself is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and like you said, even, even though, you know, this is about design, it's like, it was about so much more than just one aspect. It was very encompassing too, still is. So, yeah. Um, I definitely look forward to keeping an eye on design text this fall um, at, you know, with design connections and with the release. Uh, thank you for taking the time today, Catherine and Susan, to share with our audience about the collection and collaboration and, you know, design text past and future. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the yep. opportunity. Yep. And thanks for your participation in Design Connections. And, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in today. <laughs>